This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. And welcome into Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast where we talk high proof and high heat, two of America's greatest things, bourbon and baseball. I am Brandon. That is Michael on the right side of your screen if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not... Go watch us there or follow us here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as wherever you stream your podcasts. I am Brandon. That is Mikey. Mikey, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm a little uh, tired. I had uh, traveled for work this week for mm-hmm. just a quick meeting, and uh, on my way out, to uh, I was in, over in New Mexico. Uh, I had a 10 and a half hour layover in cool. good old Denver. Good old Denver, Colorado. That airport itself is kind of like a city. Yeah, I uh, didn't venture too much. I just popped myself in a chair for a while and eventually grabbed myself a voodoo donut. Voodoo donut? Voodoo donut. It was a giant, freshly made donut. That's, that I, sounds uh, delicious. Yeah. I also had some shitty walk for uh, lunch. <laughs> oh, some what? Some shitty walk. City walk? Yes, that's what I said. Yeah, okay. Shitty walk. <laughs> All right. Well, (laughs) this is episode 37 of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. As I mentioned, we talk about two of America's greatest things, bourbon and baseball. And speaking of baseball, Michael Lorenzen just did it, Mikey. Michael Lorenzen, the third third no-hitter in Major League Baseball this year. It just happened. This is his first game in Philadelphia as a Philly. He just got traded last week, a week ago, last week, Tuesday. And he just threw a no-frickin'-hitter. Way to show the whole uh, rest of the league that they should have traded for him. Right. Hey, Cincinnati Reds, you've been struggling. You should have traded for me. That's awesome, dude. Yes. Way to his show parent, him. his mom is going nuts in the stands. His wife with his daughter, it looks like. Man, he looks so thrilled. This is awesome. Who uh, Who was it against? Uh, the Washington Nationals, who have actually played very good baseball here in the last two months. So I got the chills watching that. I get the... like. Man, that just juices you, you, me you up. You insert yourself into that moment there, and right. you can just feel it. Wow. Congratulations, Michael Renzen. Uh, new Philadelphia Philly. He got traded over um, from the Detroit Tigers last week on Tuesday. This 14th ever no-hitter by a Philadelphia Philly. I believe Cole Hamels had done it. Uh, I think he did it against the Cubs, honestly. And uh, Roy mm-hmm. Halladay did it in the playoffs. Didn't he throw a perfect game as well? So, including... Herman's perfect game, game earlier this year, and then Framber's no-hitter last week. We've had two in the last seven days. And they say pitching's struggling this year. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Well, that's not how we always start off an episode, but this is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Hell yeah, Michael Lorenzen. I'm happy for you. I, I, <laughs> I liked him when he was in Cincinnati as a Red uh, years back. He was one of those relievers who would play the outfield and also hit. He was an yes. amazing hitter, and then he went to L.A. Uh, to play with the Angels, I believe. And then this past year, he signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, wow. Yeah, he Good. was fun to see uh, He's hit about to get pitcher. the water dumped on him? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah he was fun to watch before there was a DH in the NL yeah. in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, 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 uh, the, the days now. We're going to sound old. I remember when the NL had a, it didn't have the DH. Shut <laughs> well, up, the one Dad. Thing- the one thing I remember about Michael Lorenzen, I think his dad died. And then the first game back, he hit a home run 
and was yes. crying running around the bases, which again, dude, I'm getting, how can you be, not be romantic about baseball? That, uh, <laughs> that quote from Moneyball, man, I literally have chills up and down my arms. If you can I see on Moneyball. YouTube, like the, I think they call them goose pimples down in, uh, Alabama, but we goose call them bumps. goose bumps everywhere else. Um, oh, I don't know. I never heard oh, goose pimples. I was oh, dude, that's bumps. all I heard down down south is they called them goose pimples down south. So I'm surprised. That sounds but gross. Yeah, he uh, he gets the Washington Nationals. Wow, what a game! Wow, see, that makes me just, <laughs> like I I got a few. This guy's been in the league for a long time, and he just the pinnacle of his career. Four walks, five strikeouts, no hits. So he did get some defense behind him because out of the 27 outs, 22 of them came. Um, from his defense, but <laughs> that's awesome. Congratulations, Michael Lorenzen. We're now five minutes into our episode. Usually we start out our episode with uh, the jersey number of our episode. This is episode 37, so we're going to talk about jersey number 37. Who wore it best? Who had the best number 37 career in Major League Baseball history? And Mikey, as you're looking it up for the first time, Absolutely. without doing the research, as always, as is tradition, I think there are five that we could argue when it comes to this. And that is, um, I, I think it's going to be a real close one after doing some research on this yesterday and earlier today. Uh, who do you think stands out right away? Um, if we're going to talk about years if, if, of whoever has worn it ever. Pedro Martinez has the most wore, but he only wore it for two years. Right. So he really doesn't even qualify for it. Uh, Max Serger wore it for a couple of years. The guy that stands out to me um, is Steven Strasburg. Okay. Because he's a newer guy. Um, wore it for 13 years. Just a guy who was, I mean, he was one a pitcher who was drafted and almost came right up to the major leagues mm -hmm. right without any minor leagues at all. There was a lot of hype there. A lot of hype. Yes. And he, um, he delivered in, early in his career before... Mm -hmm. His arm just absolutely fell apart. But Well, up through 2019, I was looking at his numbers from 2020 through 2021 and 2022. He's pitched like, I think it combined 25 innings in those three years. But yeah. before then, out of the 10-year career, before that, incredible. But uh, he's one of the five I have listed. Um, the one who's won it the most in his career for the longest time is Kenny Rogers with 18. He had a 50.5 war in his career. Then Dave Steeb, who played with the Blue Jays and I believe the White Sox, but he wore it exclusively with the Blue Jays from 79 to 92. And then again in 1998, he had a 56.4 war. Steven Strasburg, one of the names. Keith Hernandez is another name that pops out to me. He only wore it for eight years, but I want to talk about the numbers he had with that. And even Max Scherzer um, was part of that list for me. He, uh, he's he got a very high war in his career, 37, and um, we already talked about him a couple of weeks ago, I believe, uh, when it come to, came to numbers. Wasn't he part of number 35? Um, Max Scherzer? With, yeah, uh, or 34. Maybe. I think he was 34 with the Nationals. Yeah. Um, yeah, 31, excuse me. So I, I, I still think he qualifies at number 37. The years that he had in Detroit were very good. Um, so those are my five that I think we need to, to work through. Keith Hernandez stands out to me in his eight years wearing it with the Cardinals. Uh, he had a 301 batting average, a 391 on base percentage, and a 451 slugging. So an OPS in those eight years combined of 842. He had 87 home runs. The big thing, though, 
is of those eight years, he was the MVP once, and he had six gold gloves and a silver slugger award in those eight seasons in number 37. Doing some work for for the Cardinals there. Speaking mm-hmm. of Cardinals, remember Jeff Supan? Yes. Played for I the Brewers like, too, didn't he? I just feel like he he owned the Cubs in his time in the NL Central. <laughs> he was all I, I just don't remember liking him. No. Uh, well, he was a Cardinal, so he played for the Royals, the Brewers, the Cardinals. In Pittsburgh for one year. And the Pirates. Okay, so there's the NL Central. Yeah. <laughs> He wore it for 13 years. Now that I see him popping up here. Shane Reynolds as well, a name, but he, um, Jim Pearsall, Jimmy Pearsall, that's a good name as well. And uh, Real Cormier, do you remember that name? Cormier, I, believe he was I do lefty. not know. Uh, lefty pitcher. I, I remember him from the Phillies, but I think he also played for the Expos in his career. Uh, yes. Real Cormier, Cardinals, Expos, Red Sox, Phillies, and the Reds. I don't remember the Reds, but. Uh, I'm going to say that it's down to three for me. It's either Kenny Rogers, Keith Hernandez, or Dave Steeb. So let's whittle it away. Yeah. Um, let's see. Dave Steeb has the, or Keith Hernandez has the highest war, then Steeb, then Rogers. Rogers wore it the longest. Right. Where's Steeb at? I keep losing him. Steve wore it for 15 years and had a 56.4 war. Kenny Rogers wore it for 18 years. He had a career war of 50.5, but he didn't spend his entire career in number 37. He did have 17, I believe, with the uh, uh, with the New York Yankees and the Oakland Athletics. And of that war, you mentioned Keith Hernandez had the higher of the three. However, only eight years out of his big league career was in that uniform he spent a career of 17 years but i do think he probably had some of the most impactful years in that june in that jersey in that uniform number who do you think if i don't know i'm leaning kenny rogers just for the longevity of it uh, he was that much longer uh honestly i think dave steep he had a higher war and three years less in the league uh three years less in the number um now, they both spent about the same amount of time, I think, in the number. Obviously, Kenny had it for three more years, but I think Steve overall, Steve, Dave Steve, 176 career wins, 137 with a 3.44 ERA, a majority of his career with the Blue Jays. That's where I'm leaning, but really, it's also hard to go against Keith Hernandez. He had six gold gloves in eight seasons in the jersey with an MVP. The Are only any reason of I these would guys in the Hall of Fame? I don't believe so. Uh, yeah, I don't if think any, so either. I, if any of them, I would have. Uh, I think Keith Hernandez might be of any of them. Um, it does not look like it right here. MVP, five-time All-Star. Nope, that does not say Hall of Fame. That does not say Hall of Fame. See, Kenny Rogers was only a four-time All-Star. He never won the Cy Young. He did win a couple of Gold Gloves. Dave Steve, Steve was a seven-time All-Star, uh, top 10 in Cy Young, four times. Honestly, I think I'm going to lean, lean Keith Hernandez on this one. Okay. He was an MVP the, in the jersey. The others weren't a Cy Young. The others, the, the others were just maybe league, at, you know, above-average players where right. Keith Hernandez had top-of-the-league quality stuff going on yeah. when he was wearing this number. Yeah. 
I like it. I like. I hate to pick a, a guy who wore it for the St. Louis Cardinals as our thirty-seven, but hey, hey, we're not. We're we're bourbon and baseball, not bourbon. Uh, <laughs> as much as yeah. we might keep Cubs. Yeah, we bleed Cubby Blue, but that doesn't mean we don't appreciate good baseball. So Keith Hernandez episode, episode 37. Welcome in. We're 12 minutes into this episode. This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. You can find us on YouTube. We're really growing on YouTube there. So if you haven't checked us out there, what are you doing? That is at Barrels and Barrels Pod. We're up to 645 subscribers last week. That was 601. So we continue to grow. In the last month and a half, we've grown by double. We were around 300 back in the early parts of July. And now we are near the six. 50 mark we also put out exclusive content there thieves of the day or the thieve of the day which means the best web gem remember web gems back in the day they still have it on baseball tonight but not nearly not as the prominent same. the thief of the day is our version of a web gem with a bourbon spin on it we also have our power rankings which drop exclusively on youtube every monday and also, we just put out some bourbon hunts and stuff like that. So go check out our YouTube YouTube page if you haven't done that already. Uh, that is at Barrels and Barrels. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod. And on Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. And also... On X. On X. That's right. Good call. Good call. we gotta, got to change this to X. I'm going to just X everything out. Uh, and... Streaming us uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. We're on Apple, Spotify, as well as iHeart, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review and a rating for us, just like we give you our honest opinions on the bourbons we review. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are, so drop that in. We're 20 out of 25 star reviews and ratings on Apple and 14 out of 14 five-star ratings on Spotify. Leave a review. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. And last but not least, we've, we've got merch for sale. The hat that Michael and I are wearing, that's for sale, $35. Go check out our Instagram page in the link tree at Barrels and Barrels Pod. That is in the link in our bio. You can buy that. You can buy the glassware that we're drinking out of tonight. I've got my Whiskey Wisdom glass. Michael's got a Glencairn. Also, we've got two out glasses ready for sale as well. And last but not least, T-shirts for sale. CharlieMikeNeverWeekend.com. Our friends over there at CharlieMikeNeverWeekend.com, a locally owned t-shirt company out of huntsville alabama you can go to their website it's right there on the top once you get to shop it's charliemikeneverweekend.com so let's dive right into the bourbon michael burns this week's whiskey of the week we're going with taconic distillery straight bourbon whiskey this is their duchess private reserve okay is that yeah. is that their which just their normal straight bourbon is the the duchess private reserve or is this something i think this is their their lowest offering as in like they're gen just general straight bourbon whiskey like they're small can, batch basically they're small batch so this is definitely a small batch um coming from the uh, hudson valley of new york so uh the historic and famous hudson valley uh, bottle if you see it it's got a little pup on it uh this is their green label they've got different color labels um i've heard their maple finished whiskey is fantastic and speaking of maple i've got some of their maple syrup here i might have to make an old-fashioned with this at some point they said it was for the kids do want to give a shout out to taconic distillery for sending this to us to give a chance uh give it a chance give it a review so go check these guys out on TaconicDistillery.com. Uh, this comes in, Michael, at an MSRP right around $42.99 on their website. I've seen it listed anywhere from $39.99 to $60 bucks online. I'm just going to say $42.99 because that's what it's on their website. Where does it say it was distilled and bottled at? You said it was from New York. 
Yeah, distilled, aged, and hand-bottled by Taconic Distillery. So it means it was distilled and aged. I believe it's grain to glass from what I was reading. Uh, wow, this okay. This is all from... Sure. Yeah. Taconic Distillery's private reserve is crafted in small batches using only the finest ingredients, including fresh spring water from Rolling Hills Farm in historic Hudson Valley, New York. So right. I've given it a pour. Um, it's got pretty much a, a golden color, maybe a little more amber-ish. Like if you're thinking of the movie Jurassic Park... Have you ever seen the movie Jurassic Park? Yes, I'm, you know I'm wondering. I'm, you know the tree sap that co- coats the uh, like the mosquito that's in his um, walking stick. Okay, that would be that's the color. I would, to you? That would be what I think this color looks like. Did you just watch that movie or something? Or no? Okay, hold <laughs> that one out of left field. Cold there. pole, yeah. Literally <laughs> cold pole. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not. I wouldn't say it's too dark, but it's not, definitely not light whiskey dark. No. Or it, light it, dark. It's it, it's it's right there in the middle. Um, this comes in at five years old, so a five year old whiskey. Okay. I know you're a huge person when it comes to the mash bill. This is seventy percent corn, twenty five percent rye, and five percent barley. Um, I'm gonna guess it's malted barley, but it just said barley on the website. So, so just off you, that mash bill, I don't. I, I think it's going to have a little bit of spice to it, but the rye flavor won't come through with that. Right, right off the nose, I've got a little bit of a mint to the nose. Just you got mint. A mint. My my first nose was a little bit of uh, like orange, um, but uh, it, it's it's funny as you if you if I have my nose in here and you start listing off things like <laughs> I was like. Orange, orange. You said mint. And I was like, oh yeah, there is the mint there too. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what it, I always tell. Hey, if you're not into it, it helps to read notes or have someone else tell you some notes that know how to pull them. Yeah, I get the orange too. I get like a mint orange peel, almost like a a springy kind of smell to it. Ooh, to yeah. me, this how reminds about, me how about of like oak May. or vanilla. Of There's May, a little bit of flowers oak. are blooming. There's vanilla and oak. I've even got a little bit of maple on the nose, too. Okay. What's so. the proofage on this? Am I guessing the proofage? You're going to guess the proof after you okay. give this a little sip. <laughs> I didn't write it on the bottle, did I? I don't have the notes up for a second. Okay. I have baseball statistics up on no, my screen. I, I didn't write it on the the sample bottle I gave you, though, did I? Oh, uh, you, you usually do. Usually, Yeah, do, I know. I, I usually look. do. That's. I wonder if I didn't. So give this a little try. And uh, give me your guess on the proof right off the bat after you get that first little uh, mm. little chew. Wow. That first little, thoughts. Uh, immediately got um, some honey in this guy right away up front. The rye then comes through. It's not overly spicy. And then mellows out into a 90s proofer. Um, it's it's a little heavier. That's why I can tell it's a lower nineties, not towards the bib. Um, how about you? Did you take a sip yet? Yeah, I, I think that there's a good tingle to it. Uh, I've got some of the oak coming through. The rye spice is prominent, but it's not overpowering. I think that there's definitely some of the rye coming through for sure. I don't think it matches the nose. I've got a lot more maple, vanilla, and like the classic bourbon notes, not any of that mint or the orange. I thought that I'd get a little bit more mint on the nose, uh, on the mouth from what I get on the nose. But it's more so like just your classic bourbon, oak, cherries. I get some cherries out of that. And the back end is kind of like cinnamon red hots to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is, I agree with your uh, note there that this is like a classic bourbon, a little spicier than a mm-hmm. classic bourbon that has, has all the notes that you look for in an oak, vanilla, uh, some citrus, cherry, some kind of dark fruit in there is what I love to find in my bourbons. Mm-hmm. Um, so this comes in really, at 90. Go ahead. What were you saying? 90. I was going to guess 92. Okay. What it says. I'm going to guess 92. 90 90 proof so uh lower proof but i think that it sips a little warmer than 90 for most things that we've had right it's got a little bit more of a i think it's that rye coming through right giving you just a little bit of that spice to make you think it's a little warmer than it actually is but uh yeah the finish is forgiving the finish is forgiving and and tells you that is Mm-hmm. Not as high proof. That spice kind of scares you, but then the finish mellows out into a little thicker of a of a dram and coating of the mouth. It definitely doesn't go away. It's not a thin bourbon at all. No, I definitely think that there's some legs to it for sure. Um, so what do you think of that finish? Like, what do you, what do you pull the most from it? Um, I get that. I get vanilla towards the end. Uh, the honey still in the beginning really coats the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think this. I think that that's the ride. It, like you said, it's not overpowering, but it's prominent. Like it's, it's not overpowering, it but the, it's it's saying, "Hey, I'm here." It takes the flavors and kind of blows them through your mouth. Mm-hmm. So, Michael Burns, on our barrels and barrels of bourbon and baseball podcast rating scale, where do you rate this Taconic Distillery Straight Bourbon Whiskey? So, I want to give this guy an everyday player for the reasons of right. it's a classic bourbon. It's a great price to go pick up. This reminds me of like a Jepsons. Jepsons? Yep. Yeah, Jepsons. Priced well. Classic bourbons. Got all the notes for you. Taste, you know, like you said, tastes a little bit hotter than 90. But I think mm-hmm. the back end then reminds you, yes, it is 90. But it doesn't thin out. No. Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a bummer. I was going to go pour myself some more. And... The old cork just came unglued. It's one of those synthetic corks. That's fine. That's uh, so everyday player for Michael Burns. Yes, sir. Um, I think that's right where I'm going to find myself as well. Not a bad pour at thirty nine ninety nine or forty two ninety nine, wherever you can find it. I wouldn't pay more than fifty for this, uh, if I'm being honest. But if you can find it at anywhere from forty to forty five, that's a great price point. This comes in at ninety proof, so I think this is a great entry level bourbon for someone who's looking to get into whiskey uh if you've got friends who are like hey i don't know if i like bourbon i want to give it a try this would be a good one or if you're looking for one of those everyday kind of just low proof i can sip this all day this is a crusher right like this is the one that you could sip all day and by about glass number four or five is when you're starting to get a little bit more tipsy rather than one of those high proofers where the moment you just smell it but i'm going everyday player i think it's got all those classic bourbon notes as i mentioned uh, a lot of uh, that cherry and maple for me um, on the palate. More so on the nose. It's got that citrusy, spring-like feel. Um, I don't pull the mint into the palate, but I have it on the nose. But overall, uh, I think this is a pretty good pour. So an yeah. everyday player it is. I'd say if you want to look, for, you, if you're going to a bottle share or going to like a bourbon night with some friends and you want to look like, you know, you're not going to bring the typical Latcher Craig or Four Roses and right. you want to look like you know your your stuff, Something great, easy, easy to grab off the shelf and be like, hey, guys, I got something for us. Bottle yeah, in New uh, York. Yeah. Um, I know it's not available everywhere. or Some people have said they haven't been able to find it in some of their spots that they live. But if you can find this on the shelf around 40 to $45, 
go give it a try. Um, a very good pour. So if you're just new to our podcast, we do a rating scale based off of baseball when it comes to our bourbon. Uh, everyday player is what we rated this. But before we get to that, we have Hall of Famer. Well, that's top of the top. 1% of baseball players make the Hall of Fame. Top shelf, and you know. 1% of bourbons make the Hall of Fame. We haven't we haven't done one of those yet. We've been close, but we have yet to rate a Hall of Fame bourbon. That just tells you how stringent and uh, how like really um, detailed it has to be, right? Right. How we, important. We, we're we're going to put our name to it as one of the best of the best. It's Damn it, it's going to be the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So that's got a really high qualification. Next is then the All-Star. The All-Star is just as it sounds. It's one of the best one out there. Maybe not quite Hall of Fame caliber, uh, but it's there. And we've got a couple of All-Stars, so go listen to previous podcasts to go find some of those. But All-Star on every team. Hopefully you have an All-Star bottle on, uh, on your shelf, on every shelf. Those are the ones you want to have a backup to your backup. Michael likes to say that these are the ones that what? You share with you share with your bourbon friends. <laughs> yes, the one the ones who know things about bourbon. Maybe not the the people who are just trying to get into bourbon. So that is what our all star ranking is. Everyday players, just as it sounds, it's not necessarily an everyday pour where you drink it every day. It's one of those that you always have it in your lineup. Something right. you may go to weekly, maybe every other day, maybe every three days. Depends on how often you drink and how much whiskey you have. But still, like a baseball player. Everyday players always in your lineup. You can count on him to go to it every day. It's the same player day in and day out. Not going to let you whole. down. Right. It's not going to let you down, and that's what we rated this. Michael Burns, what is a bench? So a bench, bench guy may, might be a he's – not, he's not bad, but he's unique in a way. Mm-hmm. He's got his role on the team. It could be a, a, a sweeter bourbon that's finished in something that you might not could take every day, but every now and then you could use that change of pace. Um a guy that's just going to come in and maybe a, d- a dessert bourbon for you. You know, those, mm-hmm. if, if the peanut butter, even a higher proofer too. Yeah. Right. Proofer. Even a higher proofer where if you're not a huge high proof, uh, poor kind of person, uh, that's the one that maybe you're going to, um, occasionally or, um, uh, in the pinch, right. In a pinch hitter, in a pinch save, I'm, I'm feeling this today. So then behind that comes the DFA. That is the final ranking on our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast rating scale. That means that you're cut from the team. We don't like you. Get off my shelf. Go mix yourself in a drink with somebody else or maybe go pour yourself down the drain. We don't want you on our shelf. But that is our Barrels and Barrels, a Bourbon and Baseball podcast rating scale. Taconic Distillery, straight bourbon whiskey. This is the Duchess Private Reserve. A big thank you to Taconic Distillery for sending this my way. They also sent me some maple syrup for my daughter to try. That is definitely going to be made with uh, an old-fashioned between the two of these. And uh, I will have to report back. So go check out my Instagram page, which you can find on our YouTube page right now, right there above my video. That is at whiskey underscore weather. What are you looking at me for? I'm going to see if you had anything else to add, but I guess no. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I've... <laughs> so, so Why are you looking on. at me, though, boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what you looking at? <laughs> so moving on, we use trivia as kind of our buffer and our transition from bourbon to baseball. This week's trivia question, Michael. The Chicago White Sox have been on the top of a lot of people's minds here in the last week. Luis Robert playing very well. He's on pace to hit near 40 home runs. That's only been done by, I believe, seven players on the White Sox ever. Who was the last White Sox player to hit 40-plus home runs in a season in what year? Ooh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just strike off 
Frank Thomas and Paul Canerco off the list. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's okay. the, the most recent one to do it. Was It wasn't Jan Makata, was it, in 2018? Mm-hmm. I will give you a no on that one. You got one more guess. Next, I'm thinking Jermaine Dye didn't do it, not Carlos Lee. I don't know. You, you perked up when I said Jermaine Die in 2007. Well, after that, they had a player called Adam Dunn and Jim Tomei. But the guys that I just listed aren't the answer. The answer, Todd Frazier in 2016, he, he hit, hit 40, 40 home huh? runs. 40 on the, on the dot? Right on the dot. So, Todd Frazier in 2016. I bring up the White Sox because the big news over the weekend, if you haven't seen it already... That was the first big tussle. Uh, Tim Anderson and Jose oh, Ramirez. And down goes Anderson. Have you seen that or heard that audio yet from the I radio have. announcer? Yes, so that was good. fantastic. So good. For those of you who don't know, Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson literally dropped the gloves and fought at second base. And Jose Ramirez knocked Tim Anderson pretty much out cold. Uh, he went down to the ground. He crumpled. He got back up, and he kind of had the wobbly leg. Uh, do the stanky leg is what I posted on Instagram in the <laughs> background music because he couldn't figure out how to walk. But that was probably the biggest brawl we've had. That was that's kind of taking over the Rugnig Odor and who was mm-hmm. the other player? Uh, Edwin uh, Encarnacion. No, no, no. No, it was Jose Batista. Jose Batista, his teammate. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of is now the new fight that takes over because Anderson got dropped. I mean, absolutely dropped from that right hook. Yeah, but it wasn't you know, even a sucker punch. No, it, I mean he was. It was more just a reach as he was being tackled by a White Sox player. Mm-hmm. But there was one player who has had front row seats to both of those punches. Did you see that? <laughs> Elvis, Elvis, <laughs> Elvis Andrews. And he didn't do anything to help Tim at all. No. But he was he was right there in Texas, and he was right there uh, for the White Sox. I, I think it's kind of telling. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of a lot of Chicago sports radio. No one really came to Tim Anderson's aid, other than Kopech, who was kind of trying to stop R- Ramirez from beating the crap out of Tim. Right. Tim got in a couple of punches, and Jose got the right cross, and down he went. And when I oh. mean he fell, he fell like a weak folding chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then even coming off the field, he couldn't even get off the field himself. Well, and even within that, did you see? Um, <laughs> Aloy Jimenez got hurt in the fight without doing no, anything. He, he came up, he came up limping away. He he was back in the lineup a couple of days later, but yes, he came up limping away, frustrated. Tim had a rough time walking off the field, uh, but man, what a fight! My comment on that is Jose Ramirez's fist has a higher hard rate, hard hit rate than Tim Anderson does all year. Absolutely, Tim, absolutely. <laughs> Tim has definitely had a rough season so far this season. Um, and that's kind of leading into the main topic is this White Sox team as a whole. We normally don't lead with losing teams in our podcast. This White Sox team has been awful this year. They're winning again tonight versus the Yankees. However, the, the Chicago White Sox, for a team that was supposed to have postseason aspirations the last two years, what a fall from grace it's been. And did you see what um, Keenan Middleton had to say about the team and about the culture and about the clubhouse? No, I, I, I might have, but let's let's go ahead and hear it. So the White Sox are forty six and sixty nine. 
So 23 games below 500. There's a chance that if they lose to the Yankees tonight, they're winning four to one. But um, if the Yankees were to come back, that would be their 70th loss. And this was a team that most billed last year as a World Series favorite, not necess- not just make the playoffs. Like that was a team with aspirations to go all the way. Right. Um, Dropping pens. Um, it's not the broken. big issue here is supposedly the clubhouse issue. So Keenan Middleton was traded from the White Sox to the Yankees. And Jesse Rogers, a big shout out to Jesse Robert Rogers, an amazing journalist out there in Chicago. He works for ESPN. He primarily covers the Cubs and the White Sox, but he covers all teams um, when he gets right. asked to. And he was out in New York covering the Yankees this past weekend versus the Astros. And he talked with Keenan Middleton and Keenan said, you know, there was no real rules there weren't any rules. There was no responsibility. There was no um, repercussions for anything. He said, we had rookies sleeping in the bullpen during oh my games. Gosh. I think that was Carlos Santos, um, the the reliever. It, by process of elimination, and Jesse Rogers kind of hinted at it on, on the air on ESPN 1000 earlier this week, uh, that it was Santos. So you got him sleeping in the bullpen. You got players missing practice and showing up late for meetings and no repercussions, no, like, you got to be disciplined for that. Rondell left early from what we saw, reports he left early for the All-Star break. Right, so he denied that in a press conference earlier this week where he said that didn't happen, but supposedly the game before the All-Star break, he wasn't in the lineup and he wanted to leave early. And the rumor is that Tim Anderson said, if he doesn't want to be here, fine, I'll buy his ticket to get him the hell out of here. And the rumor is that Yasmani Grandal walked up to Tim Anderson while he was sitting in the hot tub or in the ice pool or whatever the bath was and slapped him across the face. So Tim's used to getting hit in the face, I guess, at this point. But After, um, yeah. but that just tells you what's going on. And then Lance Lynn, have you seen the uh, the AJ Pruszynski pod- podcast, Fall Territory? I did, I did see that AJ Pruszynski did have... Uh, a strongly strong opinion about the White Sox. And then did you see he talked with Lance Lynn, who was Oh, no, I didn't see that. Team. No. So he asked Lance Lynn, uh, I believe it was Monday, maybe it was Tuesday. And if you haven't checked out File Territory yet, you got to do it. They're good podcasts. They're great on social media. I love the stories that they tell. Uh, so go check them out. We have no affiliation with them, but hopefully... I mean, maybe they like what we're talking about, but still, uh, go follow Foul Territory. It's a great baseball podcast with former baseball players, so you get that kind of inside baseball perspective. But they talked to Lance Lynn, and he said, "Hey, Lance, what do you think about Key's thoughts? What Middleton said? What do you think? Do you agree or do you disagree with anything?" And he said, "I'll tell you what I disagree with," and then just sat there, and he didn't say anything. So he's pretty much telling you everything Keaton said. Oh, I believe. Oh, and disagree I think with true. what he said. Gotcha. I thought right. he was he saying. Goes, I'll tell you what I disagree with. Beans. Gotcha. Yeah. And he just sat there, as in like I don't disagree with a single thing. So if Lance Lynn, who's your veteran presence and veteran leader in the clubhouse, is saying that this is how it was, that just tells you how much turmoil and how trash and tragic this White Sox organization has come uh, over the last two or three years. And I think that stops at the top, man. It's not just Pedro Grafal, but makes me or, question. Or Tony La Russa it, two years ago. Right. Tony La Russa led the team to 93 wins back in 2021. So I don't know if it necessarily was him last year, but it starts even higher than that. My question for you is, do you think Pedro Grafal makes it another season? That's the first question. 
No, they they need to. They've already cleared their roster. They need to clean house and just get new atmosphere in there. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you if you're having two guys who just left the team immediately coming out and say that, unless you clear house, you're not going to have players want to come sign there. No one's going to want to come no. play there. No, that that atmosphere at clubhouse. I think between Tim, Yoan Mankata, I hear that um, Aloy is not the hardest worker either in the clubhouse. I don't want to start casting aspersions on some of these players, but this team had a ton of talent that should have been way better for the last three Absolutely. years. And, and they haven't done it. Um, but So I think Grafal's gone, but you got to look at the top. Jerry Reinsdorf, he is too loyal. He did it with the Bulls. He's done it with Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams has been in charge of this organization for how long? He was part of the 2005 team. It's got to go back into the 90s, I think, where he was the general manager. Yeah, he was the GM. He's now the the vice president or the vice president of baseball operations. And then Rick Hahn is actually the general manager now. Right. But they've all been with the organization for 15, 20 years. What have they done in the last 15, 20 years? Outside of 2005, which was a pop-up championship. No right. one thought that was going to happen. They went That's on a Garcia. burner. They it was like a they went on a heater in Vegas. That's what 05 was, right? You're right. No, absolutely. They, you can't do that. I mean, look, Theo Theo spent only what seven years with the Cubs, not to mm-hmm. get Cubs focused, and moved on. Right. Um, the the Cubs might even need to do that with Jed. The Jed's been around just as long almost, and maybe they mm-hmm. need a refresh as well. But f- what you're saying with the White Sox, fifth. Uh, who uh, Reis- Rosendorf, Reisendorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, Reinsdorf, like you said, because there was rumors when they hired Tony LaRusso that they owed him something, they owed mm-hmm. Tony something, and that's why they gave him that gig, even though he was hadn't coached in a few years. Mm-hmm. So on October 26th of 2012, so we're going on, this is the 11th season. Kenny Williams was promoted from general, general manager to executive vice president, and they promoted Rick Hahn to a general manager from assistant general manager in 2012, late 2012. So this is his 11th season um, as the GM. You know how many playoff games they've won? Since playoff 2012? Games. Since 2012. Not series, playoff games. Zero. One. One. They beat the Astros two years ago in 2021. They got swept, I believe, by the A's in two games in 2020 in that okay. playoff season. And since then, um, I don't think they make the playoffs since. And if they is did, that, they got it, swept. Is that one more than the Angels wins? Yes, because the Angels haven't been there since 2014. But still, <laughs> along those lines, that just shows you how terrible and just – inept that franchise has been and i'm not trying to pile on the white Sox in that organization because they're the team on the other side of the city that i root for it's i think baseball is better in chicago when both teams are very good yes because it's got a buzz they rebuilt they got eloy and cease from them in 2017 they Mm -hmm. got to the rebuild about 2020 you'd say 2019 2019, yeah, 2019 is when it really started to come around, and 2020 was the year. So maybe you thought that, you had a window. Right. And maybe, maybe 2020 kind of hurt their chances of that, as that was supposed to be their year. Maybe. I maybe, mean, Giolito but... fell off the table a little bit. They got him. He had one great season. He fell off. Dylan Cease has kind of taken a step back rather than a step forward, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Michael Kopech, who was supposed to be great. Uh, 
Moncada. You still have talent. Moncada was the right. number one overall prospect when they got him from the Boston Red Sox in the sale sale deal. I mean, you still have talent there. You can build around Cease and Luis Roberts, only 26 years old. Yeah. So they still have the talent. It's just, man, that 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 franchise has just not had a good couple of decades. Really, the last 30 years, I think they've made the playoffs six times. I can't really be saying much because I'm a Cubs fan, but like at least the Cubs has sustained success. It seems like the playoffs time the Wags- time, how many years in a row. Yeah. Right. From 14 to 18, and then also 07, 08, and 2003, um, and even, I believe, 1998. Um, maybe yeah. they just fell short in 2001. I know the White Sox made it in 01 uh, and 2000, I believe. But man. you're talking, but yeah, White Sox, but you're, you're talking a lot of trash, just like, and I mean, you should be, you might be suspended over this, Brandon, just like <laughs> Evan Brown was of the Orioles broadcasting. He talked so much trash about his own team and got suspended. What do you think? I mean, Brandon or Kevin Brown. I mean, has, if you haven't heard it, let, let's play that for our listeners right now. If you haven't heard it, this is Kevin Brown, who is the broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles. This was before a game, I believe on July 23rd at Tropicana field versus the Tampa Bay Rays. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th. 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the top this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the. So we just heard Kevin talk. Um, first thoughts. What do I think? I think it's Bush League. The Baltimore Orioles embarrassed Ridiculous. themselves. Yes. Embarrassed themselves, right? The Orioles, I just ranked them number one in my power rankings earlier this week, exclusive to YouTube, and that's brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey. Use promo code BNB for your order. Uh, but. Uh, I won't give out the rest of my 10, Power 10. Um, what but, number two is? <laughs> who knows? That could, it could be a different from last out. week. You'll have to go check it out. But the Orioles, arguably one of the best, if not the best, team in baseball. And you're distracting Finally. everything from that with this, which is absolutely ridiculous. What did he say that was wrong? No, that he's basically pointing out that the Orioles have been not good for the last half cent, not half century, half decade, right? And now they're not only come up and coming, but they're the best team in baseball. And they're doing things that they haven't done in years, and it's a hard place to win. And you know what? If you're gonna suspend him, suspend the entire broadcast team because you know what? As someone who works in the broadcast business. Those graphics are made by other people. He doesn't make the graphics. He's reading it off the graphic. Right. They're not that fast. They had that prepared. That's prepared ahead of time. That's done by the Orioles staff itself. 
they make the game notes. Hey, this team has done X, Y, and Z at this stadium in the last 10 years, or the last time this happened was this. They've, they're the ones with all those records. What's wrong with that showing progress? From... What's wrong with showing progress? And he didn't say anything bad. All he was doing was stating the obvious. This team has not been great. They're starting to turn the corner, and they're doing something that hasn't been done in a while, and let's celebrate it. But instead, let's make a mockery out of this guy, Kevin Brown. And which... did you... Do you see all the different broadcasters come into his defense? Yeah, Gary Cohen. Um, not Gary Cohen. Yeah, was it Gary Cohen of the uh, the New York Mets radio? Uh, he so. said, uh, not radio, TV booth. But he said, right. there's 29 other teams that will take him, and you just embarrassed yourself. Uh, did you hear what Jason Benetti said? I just saw the, the one New York one. That's it. Uh, Jason Benetti said something about how um, something's been terrible as of late. And he goes, oh, I hope I don't get fired by the uh, – Baltimore Orioles broadcast for saying that. Um, John Sterling, the uh, Yankees radio announcer, he was talking about it on air um, with his co-host and uh, his color girl, uh, color lady, I'll call her color lady, sorry. Um, and she she and him both said, we'd get fired every day if that was the case. Right. Because you're just telling the truth. You're supposed you're to tell baseball. the truth. Baseball it, it is just, a game of failure. You, you're mm-hmm. successful three out of ten times, and that's successful. So all the support in the world going to Kevin Brown. He's supposed to return to the booth, I believe, this Friday for the Baltimore Orioles. And this dude better be looking for a job at a different team. And I hope another team comes out and gives him a chance to be with a better organization because that is just uh, – It, it, right. that's, it that's pisses me poor. off. This poor. The, the, oh, the owner – John Angelos is a yeah. joke. He's uh he's a joke. Or is it Peter An- one of them, I, I think it's John Angelos or Peter Angelos might be his son. But The Angelos family. The Angelos family. Did you hear what he did earlier in the season? He's talked to the media like twice. No. Supposedly he talked either on Martin Luther King Day or one one of the holidays like that, and they were asking about payroll. Oh, the the reason he was suspended, by the way, was because it supposedly made the team sound cheap. Well, duh, you are cheap. You've got like the 29th payroll in the MLB. Yeah, you haven't been trying for the last you know decade until you right. got lucky with some of your... Pro- Thank goodness Adley worked out. If Adley didn't work out, then you would have tanked again. Right, and uh, Gunner helping as well. But uh, supposedly he talked to the press in February or something along that way, and he it didn't go well because... He was try- I don't remember exactly when it was, but the questions he was asked, he said something along the lines of, uh, I don't feel appropriate talking about that because it's this holiday. And it was something – he, he was skirting the questions and using the holiday as a excuse. kind of as an excuse and like a scapegoat. But, man, the, the Orioles are playing great baseball too. They just got beat last night by the Astros. The Astros a huge comeback in the ninth inning, walk-off – not walk-off, but a go-ahead grand slam by Kyle Tucker. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Tucker. He could be an MVP candidate if it wasn't for Shohei, and we'll get to Shohei here in a few minutes. But in that division, um, the Yankees, they've kind of been an embarrassment. We talked about it last week. They didn't do anything at the deadline. They got Keenan Middleton. That's it at the last minute. Otherwise um, – did obviously you saw what happened with Anthony Rizzo in the last week? I did. I it it seems. I remember when when Rizzo took that, and he didn't really take time too. And we're talking about uh, was that mm-hmm. Tatis that came sliding back in? Yeah. So he didn't slide. He came running back in on I believe it was a pickoff, and his right. hip hit Anthony's head. 
And before that, Rizzo was having an incredible start to the season for the Yankees. In the first two months of the year, within 229 plate appearances, he had a slash line of 304, 376, 505. So that's an OPS of 881. He had 11 home runs, 8 doubles, 32 RBIs, and his WRC plus was 146. Since that point in time, May 28th on, his slash line is awful. 172, 271, 225. That's an OPS of 496. So he went from 881 to 496. That's almost a 400-point drop. He went from all-star to DFA-worthy. Yes. And he went on the IL last week. Um, and I do want a full disclosure. A big shout-out to our listener, Trey Cortez, which is Whiskey on the Rocks. He called me out last week. I said DL twice, and Michael didn't <laughs> catch it. So that is a... $2 fine for me, and it's a $1 fine for Michael for not catching it. So our kangaroo court Whoa, stands okay. at... Not, yeah, yeah. Now we make new rules, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, we got we both got called out. So uh, that is a $9 fine for Brandon. Is a $3 so far for Michael. So going we forward... To we're halfway to a bottle of Taconic. <laughs> almost, almost. Uh, but so he went on the aisle last week with post-concussion syndrome... Uh, which tells me, one, did they not do the proper testing? Two, was he trying to be a tough guy? Or three, is this just something that just came came up? Because he said he tested slower than the average person when it came to instincts and results in reaction. Surprising. Yeah, surprising because it's not his back that's flaring up. That's Because right. that's Rizzo's problem is midway through the season, his back flares up. But for right. this, this to just drop off like that... You, I mean, the guy, guys who get hit in the head, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, Mike Olt, remember Mike Olt? Huge hit in the eye. Mm-hmm. Got hit and was never the same again. Never he ended same. up having eye issues, and oh, that was it. Right. Uh, what, what Sosa got hit in the head, remember? Ever since Chris Bryant got hit in the head yep. versus the Rockies, go back and look at those statistics. He was like an MVP candidate up until he got hit in the head, and from there, way different player. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was just about to point KB because I know you bring that one up. Uh, often because AB was he's supposed to be a forever cub at, at that point and then oh, yeah. the head the shoulder and now everything poor guy yeah yeah uh, he's dealt with it but I feel bad for Anthony I hope he gets okay and I hope that he comes back to be the player that he was because he was an incredible athlete in Chicago and even with the Yankees the first two months I mean that's all star right there yeah, he that's was carrying the team short porch right field he was crushing mm-hmm. it taking advantage yeah. of it. He's had one home run since then. Uh, he's only scored 15 runs. That's half of what he had before. And he only driven in nine. He had 32 in the first month and three quarters. Now it's been two and a half months since then. Uh, it just hasn't been the same back? thing. No, I'm assuming it's going to be... He was on a 10-day um, concussion IL because I believe you can go on the lower end of that because of the concussion. Like since, Oh, seven-day. Oh, the seven-day. Yeah. Um but it's probably going to be longer than that. Um, and I hope he gets the treatment that he needs and he comes back and he's the same Anthony Rizzo that we knew and loved here in Chicago. But right. that division kind of has up and downs all over the place. The Red Sox just won on a walk-off Grand Slam the other day, but they got lucky and they got gifted that, and then they immediately lost the next day to the Royals. Um, and tonight it looks like that they, um, as a look at the – they won tonight versus the Royals. So the Red Sox, 59-55. and 55. As far as the other team in that division, who started out with the best team in baseball for probably, what, the first two months of the year? Yep. The Tampa Bay Rays? Oh, they can't catch a break. 
No, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, who who's left to pitch for them? They've had they've had two guys go down with Tommy John, and then three who, who um, three with Tommy John. Well, if you include Shane Baz last year, um, and also uh, I believe so, he had who Jeffrey Springs had Jeffrey Tommy John, Springs. Drew Rasmussen. So he's having, I don't know if it's Tommy John, but it's his third elbow procedure on the UCL. I think they're doing a different, like, experimental surgery on that. They have to but, when you, you yeah. replaced your UCL twice already. <laughs> um, Kitteridge. So they've got Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, Andrew Kittredge, Josh Fleming, Garrett Clevenger, and Shane Baz all on the IL. Let's go, Saya. Um, sorry. Um uh, they're all on the 60-day IL right now. Baz is out until next year. Kitteridge returns from Tommy John in August. Fleming or Felming is rehabbing right now and expected to come back soon. Um, but like I said, and you said, Springs and Drew, Elbert procedure, and it's likely what the things we're hearing about Shane McClanahan, is he done for the year. He's done for the year, and they say that his injury, they even necessarily said Tommy John, but they said his injury is worse then Springs and Rasmussen, and that's—I mean—they're out for 15 months. So McClanahan yeah. not sounding very good uh, at all. You would think that he's not even going to be back next year, then, if that's the right. case. Right. So good thing they made the Savali move, but um, Eflin has been the best pitcher since the middle of June in all of baseball, but he's been hurt multiple times as well. Last now's day to day. Yeah, can you rely on anyone in that? In that rotation? If I pull up their depth chart, they have Glasnow, Savali, Eflin, Littell, and Fleming. Only three. And Fleming's on the 60-day IL. Right. So you've got three guys, two. I mean, Eflin, they thought, was going to have Tommy John at one point. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. oh, no, he's fine. He's back out there. You've got one guy in that rotation that you can rely on. And that's Eflin. And that's, oh, I'm sorry. Savali. Mm-hmm. Is he going to win you a, a one-game playoff? Tyler Glass? No, the, you don't have to worry about a one-game playoff right now because it's a oh, three-game series. I'm so you don't saying. have to worry about that. But right, yeah, if it came down to like an elimination game, I mean, I don't, I don't think He's not an you're... ace. He's not an no. ace. He's not a number one. You, that team doesn't have one if Glassnow goes down. If Glassnow's down, they don't have an ace at all. But McClanahan's gone. He is the ace of that staff. Uh, Glasnow would be if he continued to stay healthy, but he hasn't been healthy at all. That Rays team, it's scary for them because if they do make the playoffs, I think they're, they're an easy out unless they can find pitching somewhere. Hopefully some of the guys coming off the IL, as you mentioned, uh, will help them. But on the offensive side, they've been relatively healthy. I mean, they've got Francisco Mejia on the IL on the 10-day, and same with Taylor Wells, and that's it. They haven't lost a ton of time from their um, starting staff, uh, their starting lineup, Offense. but it's the it's the staff, the pitching staff, and even in the bullpen. I mean, they I'm always not, bring up arms, so I'm sure they'll do it. But still, they've, I, they've got a guy in Double A, Mason Montgomery. But is that enough? Can you rely on that? He's not even doing. He's not even that high level of a guy. Right. I almost want to say that this, this hit to the Rays rotation could keep them from making the playoffs. I I'm, think it, you got the Houston Astros taking a wild card. You've got maybe Seattle Mariners taking a wild card. 
and the Toronto and Blue, the Jays. Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are only four games back. Now, the Rays do lead them by four games in the wild card chase, so they've got a little bit of a cushion. They are the number one wild card team right now at 69 and 47. They score runs. Um, they do, but it's going to be an interesting seven weeks to see where that team goes, especially without that ace starting pitcher now because McClanahan was your dude. He was your dude. And the way Springs was pitching and Rasmussen, I mean, that's... What's, what's to say about baseball, though? Because the Rays were the guys who never let guys... They don't go deep. Their guys go, like, max six mm-hmm. innings, stretching it at seven, and they're yeah, all going Blake down Snell. still. Yeah, Blake yeah. Snell, for his whole career with the, his his Cy Young season, he never well, pitched more than seven innings. Didn't Honeywell get hurt a couple of years ago with Tommy John? Yes, multiple, I think. Multiple Tommy John. So they can get the guys to the big league, but it seems like they can't keep them healthy. So there could even be something protecting there. Them. Yeah, even protecting right. them by keeping them short on pitch counts and innings limits, they still don't stay healthy. So something's something's got to happen in baseball. The arms cannot take 100 miles an hour that often. Yep. Wow. Uh, that's sad for Tampa because they had a really good team that – even two months ago, were the um, what quote probably the World Series favorites? Right after that hot April, there hot April, and even through May, they were the best team in the league until the Braves overtook them. What in our power rankings back in early June or late late May, maybe? Um, I think it was June. Yeah, I think it was June as well. So a team still twenty two games above five hundred. They've got a six and a half game lead over the Seattle Mariners for the final spot. But that Mariners team, boy, are they fun! Uh, I was just going to say, moving from a from broken pitching to full full pitching staff. I mean, they've got six good guys. <laughs> you know, Brian Wu, right? He's their number five right now, isn't he? And they just called up another rookie to make his major league debut. They just called up their their two twenty twenty first round pick, Emerson Hancock. And so there was talk of calling him up before Wu went down with a light injury. They're saying. But there's also injury. whispers that they did that just to get a roster spot for Hancock mm-hmm. and give him time rather than using an option and waiting for Wu to come back from so long. But they're talking of when Wu comes back, just going with a six-man rotation of Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, Wu, and Hancock. I mean, and Castillo. You forget that name? Did I miss Castillo? <laughs> yeah. My, my, somehow I got to six without <laughs> counting Castillo there. What's his name? Luis Castillo. There we go. There we go. But yeah, the Mar- <laughs> I mean, the Mariners are hosting King Felix Hall of Fame weekend um, this upcoming weekend. They're rolling. They're down one to nothing versus you Darvish and the uh, the Padres right now. But they took the first two in that series since the All Star break. Not since the All Star break. Since the start of July, the Mariners have the best record in Major League Baseball. I think it's something like twenty three and ten. The Orioles are twenty-two and eleven in that span. So those are the two best who's teams third, since July first. Third twenty and twelve. Uh, that was the Cubs, and then they lost to the Mets. So the Dodgers are third, I believe. The Cubs are the fifth best team since mm-hmm. July first, um, and the uh, the Dodgers are actually the th- the third best in Major League Baseball since the start of July. But it just shows you who's playing great baseball. The Seattle Mariners six and one since the deadline. Uh, They've played really good baseball. They've won six in a row. They lost the first game after the deadline to the Red Sox, and since then they swept four from the Los Angeles Angels. They took two from the Red Sox, and the first two, um, or the first one against the uh, the Padres in this two game series, 
Very good team, man. They're playing fun baseball. This was the team I picked at the beginning of the year to win it all. You and did. it was because of the rotation and the young talent that they had on offense. And they're starting to play baseball that the way that we all thought they could, right? They went they to the playoffs last year for the first time. And I think they got that experience. Right. And they they went on the six-game winning streak all after trading their closer. Right. They got rid of the best arm in their bullpen, theoretically, right? If you're closing, right. you're theoretically the best player on that bullpen. He goes to but, the Diamondbacks, and they haven't won a game since, it seems. And the Mariners, all they're doing is winning. They're 61-52. and 52. They're almost 10 games above 500. And to show you how, though, they've won all – they've won, what, six in a row. They've been that hot since the deadline and through July. Mm-hmm. Since the deadline of that six-game win streak, you know how many games they've made – improvements towards the first place i think they've lost a game and a half haven't they the uh, wild card they have Uh-oh. oh no I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry in the they, division i think they lost a game and a half because the rangers were eight no right they've won six in a row they've won six in a row since the deadline and since the deadline they've made right. no improvement they've they're at the exact same spot six games back wild card they made a one and a half game improvement but that's not show you how that, that tough that division is. That the Mariners just make the playoffs, get hot right. in the playoffs. Wild card spot would be just as good. <laughs> Who are you starting in a three game series or in a five game series or a seven game series? Because you've got so many good arms. I mean, that team is built for the postseason if they make it there, right? Just right. Wow. Um, number one's Castillo, right? I'd say he's their number one. Then you've got Gilbert or Kirby. I think you'd probably go Gilbert two and then Kirby three, but uh, yeah. I, I don't think it really matters because whoever it is is um, dealing right now. And uh, br- probably putting Bryce Miller in the bullpen, that would be my guess, him and Wu. Or as soon, I don't know. As soon, yeah, as soon as one of those guys, you have you, you can have an early, a quick leash on any of your starters because you can bring either one of those guys in and it's not going to affect your, your th- I would say, a three-man rotation really right. on, on a short series. Right, especially in a five-game series or a three-game series, especially um, early on. But uh, since June 1st, the Atlanta Braves have the best record in baseball at 38-17. and 17. Then it goes to the Phillies, Orioles, Blue Jays, and then the Cubs are the fifth best. But the Mariners are 32-25. and 25. But if you make that July 1st, as I mentioned, um, it's insane what they've done. This team continues to win. The Rangers are playing great baseball as well. So it goes the Mariners, Orioles, Dodgers, Astros, Cubs as the top five best records since July 1st. That does not include tonight's games on August the 9th. But the Rangers, they went out and they added big time. They got the best arm, him or Verlander, right? Scherzer, Verlander, they kind of either or best arm. Scherzer's 2-0 in his first two starts for the Rangers. They've won eight in a row until they lost today to the A's. That's going to happen, right? Oh. The they lost, but I, I think it was like one to nothing or something like that. Um, so they they finally lost, yeah. Um, so the Oakland both, Athletics two to nothing today. Both those additions, Max, Max and Jordan Montgomery, uh, Max and his two starts. So usually, if you give up runs in just a few amount of starts like that, it's going to be inflated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Max still only has a two point seven seven ERA. He's given up four runs in 13 innings. And Jordan Montgomery, 12 innings, four runs as well. Um, doing Ma- Both those guys are great additions right there. Max has 15 strikeouts in those 13 innings, so more than nine, uh, more than a 9.0K per nine. Um, 
he's pitching great. Uh, while the other team in that division, who kind of went all in, sputtering. Come on, Christopher, what are you looking at, man? Sorry, we're watching the Cubs game live. Um, bottom, of, uh, top of the ninth, the Cubs are down four to three. Runners on second and third, and Christopher Morrell just Christopher Morrell just oh, took he... a strike right down the plate to strike out. That's what I'm freaking out about. So going forward, we're talking about the the AL West, and even I mentioned it, I believe, two or three weeks ago in our power rankings. I think that that's the division to watch. Because there were four teams that were within striking distance at that time. The Angels were four or five games above 500. Since then, they've lost seven out of their last ten. They did win yesterday versus the Giants. But before then, they had lost six in a row. They had not won since the trade deadline. Uh, and they had went from five games above to one game under 500 in that time span. Yep. They're sputtering. They were... At the, at the deadline, they were five and a half games back of the division, three of the wild card. Now they're 11 back of the division and seven back of the wild card. Mm-hmm. If you were that far at that point of the, at the, at the trade deadline, that's what you should have yeah. said Otani packing. Yeah. Just my, my retort to you on that the other day was if you were, if that was the Cubs and they were what, I think they were 56 in 52 and the Cubs traded Otani how pissed off would you be right they were only three games out of a wild card spot yeah the Cubs were further back at the trade deadline I believe right weren't they so I mean it's just I don't think that they had the best team in the first place I think that they were kind of lucky and they had no team really they just right they, they just added a third baseman or first baseman an outfielder uh, a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher. They they just added, ha- replaced they need, half their team at the deadline. They need Trout back more than ever right now, honestly. Um, I do think that if he came back, that lengthens that lineup. They just got Drury back last week. I will say last week, the games that they lost to the Mariners, there were two of them. Well, they lost three games by a combined five runs. And did you see the game on Thursday, how they lost? They were up 3-1 to one in the ninth. And uh, the, Rocky, uh, the, the Mariners rookie... Uh, hit a grand slam with one out in the ninth inning to win the game for the Mariners. And then on Saturday night, I believe, the Angels had the tying run on first base. Drury was up. It was 3-1. to one. Drury drilled one to left field. The runner was scoring from first base, but it was a ground rule double and bounced out of play. So the runner had to stop at third or oh. he would have scored. There was two outs. He was running on contact. And they ended up losing three to two. So they got unlucky in a couple of those games. So a couple of those games flip flop, and all of a sudden they're fifty nine and fifty six, sitting just a few games back rather than seven and a half right now in the wild card. But still, you got to feel bad for the Angels fans who thought that their team was going to be able to do it. They're just not winning games against five hundred teams. They're thirty two and forty two. Uh, they're under five hundred by ten games against teams that are above five hundred. You're not going to have the Oakland A's and Kansas City Royals to play every week, so you got right. you got to beat the good teams. But part of that good team on this Angels team is Shohei Otani. We got to talk about him every week, right? That's kind of what we call our Shohei Otani token talk. Uh, he's got a shot at the triple crown. Yeah, that's do you, new. Do you think it's possible? I think so. I think so. He's got he's very far in home runs. Uh, mm-hmm. RBIs is tough because he's got to rely on others for that a little bit to get on base mm-hmm. for him. Average is not too far away. Now, Bo Bichette, is he actually out? I know they traded for Paul DeYoung. Is, is Bichette out? 
Bichette's on the IL. I don't know how long, um, but that's probably going to take him out of the qualifying. chance. At least qualifying for now. Um, he could, depending on how long he's out, he's played enough and he's hit enough that he'll probably be a qualified hitter as well. But he's at 321. Shohei's at 307. But Yandy Diaz is higher than both of them at 322. It's within reach. I mean, if what Shohei... going to be the tougher spot, RBIs or average? Uh, probably average just for the fact that Shohei's not getting pitched to right now, right? Like, if he's being pitched to, he's getting walked or... He he's strike. He's been striking out a little bit more than I think he's used to over the last couple of weeks. Because if they're pitching to him, they're not throwing him anything, and they're making him earn it, or they're walking him basically and pitching him around, pitching around him ever since Matt Chapman said something. I don't think he's homered since Matt Chapman said something. He's that was his fortieth home. I think one I thought time? that was his. Thir- was that? His, I think that was his thirty ninth. That was his thirty ninth against. Yeah, that was, and then he hit one um, last week uh, against uh, whoever they were playing. But <laughs> because since that's then, when we talked about doing an Otani watch for home runs, and also because <laughs> that's when he was pounding them out. Yes, that's right. He he hit three and three, uh, three and two games, and since then he's had one. Uh, I I don't think he's going to have to worry about home runs. Luis Roberts the closest in second when it comes to home runs at thirty in the AL. So. He's not going to have to worry about that. Uh, the only guys he's got to worry about regarding, I think, RBIs is, um, I think he's only tra- trailing Adelise Garcia, who's got like 84 or 85. Uh, he's got 80, 89 is what Garcia's got. Otani's got 83. So he's trailing him by six. All it takes is a hot game and a, a down week to catch him there. I think probably if it's going to be anything that's going to hold him back is probably the average. Just because he, not because he's not going to be hitting, just because he's not getting good pitches to hit. Right. Yeah, they're not going to throw him anything because they don't have to, and if they do, it's a mistake. He's got a fourteen point two percent walk rate. What's impressive That's... looking at his stat line? Yeah, that walk. That I mean, he. I think he leads the leagues in walks. No, Juan Soto. Juan, Juan Soto, Soto and, leads. Yeah. Ian Happ, I think, is third or second, depending on how he's done as a late. Wow, Ian Happ just struck out to end the game. Is but, 99 walks. But what I was going to say about Otani's line, what's impressive, impressive, Shohei's a, a struck out nearly as many times as Matt Olson, mm-hmm. but he still has a 307 batting average where Matt Olson is 267. Usually a guy with that kind of strikeout rate is living where Matt Olson lives mm-hmm. in batting average. Yeah, Otani's fourth in the league in walks. Olsen's fifth at 70. It goes Soto at 90, Schwarber at 83, Ian Happ at 78, Otani at 72, and then Matt Olsen at 70. But I think he's got a shot. I just I think he's going to fall short on average, and it's just because I think when Bo comes back, Bo just hits. Bo hits. And Yandy Diaz is having a career year. Will he be able to continue it? I think that's probably the one thing that's going to fall off. But there's a shot. Uh, and he's he's the slam dunk MVP no matter what unless he were to get hurt today and I still think if he got hurt today he'd probably be the AL MVP. Now how about NL MVP? Does does Otani win the NL MVP if the season ended today? Win the NL MVP if the uh-huh. season ended today? If or, he was in the National League, if the season ended today, league. he's MVP of the whole league. Uh, if they really, I think he would win the NL MVP if he was in the NL right now, because he's got the best offensive numbers. Uh, and then you throw in the pitching, no matter what league he's in. As oh, you're a full body of work. Okay. Uh, 
because you, I mean you've got to count pitching. That's part of it, right? Pitchers, not just, pitchers don't just win Cy Young; they win MVP as well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I believe Kershaw won the MVP, and didn't Verlander win it or finish in the top two or three at I one think point? He finished second, yeah, behind Trout. So he's he would win it in the NL, but that NL race, which I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think right now. The National League MVP. Have you looked at these numbers? I I, I was comparing them earlier because if you look at number of hits, 150, 154, average right there, 339 to 343, home runs, 26 to 23. And here's now where you're like, okay, well, Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna is who we're talking about here. Yep. Freddie's got 41 doubles to Acuna's 28 only. Mm-hmm. But Freddie scored 81 runs. Yeah. But what, what, what I'm getting at, though, is Ronald has 53 stolen bases to Freddie's 16. So how many Still of those though, singles are doubles, basically? Right. But also, Freddie's 16 stolen bases are more than I think he probably would have guessed he had. For, for a first baseman, absolutely. Yeah, I would not have guessed more than 10. They have the same amount of RBIs. Freddie has 13 more runs. And think about that because Acuna is the leadoff hitter on the highest scoring offense in the National League. The Braves. Yeah. The, the Dodgers just know, figure out how to do things like this. This is the Dodgers don't even have an, ex, an excellent team on paper. You, you know, looking at their, their lineup, they traded for a, a, a negative war shortstop, and he hit a home run the other night. Rosario, I believe, yes. right? Uh huh. So, so Acuna is batting 339, 422, 587, and Freddie is 343, 419, 597. Uh, that's What's pretty Shohei close. Slugging? What's Shohei slugging, though, just to compare to those guys? I think he's in the sixes. 669. Si- yeah, sixes. Oh, 75 points better. Nearly 100. Either of them, right? Yes. Uh, his OP. So. The OPS for Freddie is one 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 five. Uh, I think this might be dated wrong, to be honest. Uh, no, this is right. This might be. I don't know. I, some of the numbers look weird here. I think yeah. this is. Yeah, right. I, I've got a different sort here, but he's been extremely great in the last month and a half. Freddie has, um, but yes, that OPS. Got the Freddie oh, dance. Yeah, they're both over. A thousand for an OPS. Uh, Freddie's got Acuna by seven thousandths. So you're starting your dynasty team right now. Who you taking? Probably Acuna, just because he's younger. But Freddie is. I guess that's true. That wasn't a really fair comparison there. No, but who would you give it to? All of a sudden, I'm leaning towards Freddie. I'm I I that stolen bases number is too big right there. I think that's the difference in the speed, of and course. The defense. I mean, Acuna Acuna's got an arm, too. Throwing guys yeah. out of third and home. Freddie's a Gold Glover too, though, isn't he? I think Freddie is the more reliable guy. Consistent. Yeah. Yes, Acuna. I mean, this was the guy he was. He was hurt. He had the knee injury, of course. Um. I feel like he is more. What's the word I'm looking for? Not roller coaster. Flashy. Yes, I think that is Acuna, where Freddie is just that consistent swing uh, guy. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm dogging on Acuna when it uh, when really that's Acuna is the best player in the league. 
I mean, Freddie is 41 doubles. Next best is Con- Candelario and Matt Chapman at 35. So yeah, he leads by Vegas six go. there. He's got 81 RBIs, which is sixth in the league. That is only behind Pete Alonso and Matt Olson in the NL. Freddie has also walked 52 times. He struck he struck out a lot more than I thought he did. Is 88, but still, when you're batting 343, 16 stolen. Like if that stolen base number was more like five instead of 16, I would be more like okay, but. If it wasn't know. for his buddy Matt Olson, uh, Freddie would be. If it wasn't for Matt Olson and Freddie was hitting more home runs like he usually does, it'd be a he, he would be a triple crown uh, competitor as well. Oh, for sure, because uh, RBIs and home runs go to Matt Olson, and I don't think anyone's catching him uh, yeah. on either of those in the NL. You know, Pete, Pete Alonso might. He's at thirty five now after tonight, but uh, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Why are they That's pitching to that guy? Yeah, I don't know why they're pitching to that guy. And I don't know why a lot of people are pitching right now to Cody Bellinger. That's another name we have on this list. Cody Bellinger, since the start of July, really, if you go back to July 24th, he came off the IL um, with a knee injury. He played a couple of games trying to get his feet wet back into it. But he got back into the starting lineup on June 24th. Since then, and this is why I had the the statistics sorted wrong, um, since then, he has the best batting average in baseball at 417. That was coming into play tonight. On top of that, his OPS was 1.121. He had more extra base hits than strikeouts. Cody Bellinger, this is MVP Cody Bellinger. If he was doing this before he got hurt, he would be right up there with Acuna and Freddie because over that same time frame, he's been just the same as Freddie has been. Right. Three is his stat line for the year. Not not even just that hot streak. I mean, for I think where we were just stating he is amazing. He's hitting what near four hundred, four seventeen since June twenty fourth. Even yeah. on the year, on the year he's hitting three thirty one. So even down in the down his down week of being hurt, still didn't hurt him enough. Like no. you said, he's got more hits than strikeouts, more extra base hits than strikeouts mm-hmm. in that time frame. <laughs> I mean, it, hashtag extend him. Yeah, hashtag extend him for sure. He's got 17 bombs, 65 runs, 56 RBIs, 27 walks, and here's something that I didn't think either was he's got 17 stolen bases. He's he's got the I think third lowest strikeout rate in all of baseball behind Luis Arias and um, Quan from the Guardians. Stephen Quan. Uh, outside of those two, no one strikes out less. And he technically isn't a qualified hitter yet because he's two plate appearances short. So by the end of this weekend, he'll be a qualified hitter, most likely. And he'll be right up there when it comes to batting average. He's got the fifth best batting average in the major leagues. Right behind Freddie, Acuna, Arias, and Corey Seager. Oh, in all of baseball. Yeah. In all of Four baseball. NL guys there. Yeah. He's, he'd be fourth in the NL, but he'd be fifth in all of baseball when it came to a total batting average he's up there when it comes to um just on base percentage he's not striking out he (laughs) i think he's got like something like 18 multi-hit games in the last two months or something along those lines and i think he's at like 12 total three hit games he had another one yesterday so he continues to rake and as as a cup fan you better extend him you better extend him i to be honest give him the money if you're not going to get otani 
I think a great consolation prize, not saying they're the same player, but I would be 100% all in. If you're not going to be able to give that money to Otani, give it to Belly. Not the whole contract, but still. 250, 300 for seven, eight years. He's proven that this is him. He had two or three down years when he was injured, but before that, for four years, he was one of the best players in the game. I, w- I would, he's worth more than any of the shortstops from last year. Oh, for sure. Uh, 100% for sure. Uh, and those shortstops, I mean, Trey Turner, did you see what happened on Friday this past week? And I know you were traveling and you were out and about, but uh, have you seen what, what happened with him in Philly? I saw our post about something about him getting a standing ovation and then hitting a bomb with it. So he got a standing ovation on Friday because uh, he's more? really been struggling. And then on Saturday, he hit a three-run go-ahead home run um, to take the team – to give the team the lead. Uh, I don't remember who they were playing. Um, but who did he get the ova- why did he get the ovation? Because he's been struggling so hard and he's been dealing with getting booed that the fans finally in Philadelphia of all places decided let's rally around him and support this guy. So for a guy who was so hot in the World Baseball Classic, he looked like he could be competing for MVP mm-hmm. this year. I mean he I mean the dude Saved Team USA in the World Baseball Classic with his with a grand slam. I believe so, and he yeah, said it was, he was the most fun that he's he's had. But uh, Trey has had a very very bad start to his career um, in Philly. I, I'm sure it'll turn around, but he, he it hasn't been the year that he was helped. We were talking what he was a shot at sixty stolen bases and twenty five thirty home runs. Before he signed, we were that was the guy we wanted out of turn Bogart, and Correa. That's the guy who we thought was the best shortstop out of, out of all of them. And, and I think the Cubs got the best out of all of them, at least for this year. And the cheapest. They got the cheapest guy and the best guy so far. So Dan's we signed for 170 over how many years? Seven, was it one, seven, seven? year 177. Seven years 177. And uh, I believe what Turner get 11 for 300. Mm-hmm. And Bogart's got 300 over 280 over 11 as well. And then okay. Correa got the short term deal of 6200. Mm-hmm. But by average, that was one of the higher deals as well, 6200. Right. So and if you were to compare been. the four of them, uh, Dansby Swanson, right? The best of the four. I mean, he's he was he was the more they thought defensive first kind of guy. Uh, he's not going to continue his six war seasons. He's at a 3.8 right now. Um, but Cor- Correa is that I, I want to say he's batting in the uh, under 250. 228. 228. Oh, with a 301 on base. He's got a 696 OPS. He is the worst of the four. He's actually ranked as the on fan graphs, mind you. So this is just via fan graphs. So uh, they may have a little different calculation on a baseball reference. But. Carlos Correa is the 22nd best shortstop in the league this year. And then you have to go to 14th for Trey Turner. Xander Bogarts is the 11th. And then Dansby Swanson is the 5th best shortstop in the league this year at a 3.8 war. Again, this is by Fangraph's war. That, of course, doesn't include everything. But that doesn't even really talk about how much Dansby's defense. I think he's got the highest defensive run saves in baseball. Really? At least for, for shortstops. I think he's at 13 or something along those lines. Um, and it's right up there. But, oh no. You, you, uh, you, someone's down in the, the Mariners game. Sorry. It looks like 
number three. Is that JP Crawford? Mm-hmm. He's been a huge. He, he's been hot. Team. Yeah, yeah. You you know what the Correa signing reminds me of? Eric Hosmer to the Padres. Everyone knew he wasn't worth what they were, what he was asking. That he was not going to work out through the contract. That's what Carlos Correa reminds me of. Isn't he signing. the youngest of those four, though? Yes, he is. Hosmer was like still thirty, I think, when he signed with the Padres. So he was up there in age. Like Correa is like twenty six. What I mean, but, what I mean is, Correa, Correa really like offensively wasn't that great. Oh, I, I know what you're saying. But yeah, okay. Yeah, J.P. Crawford just went down and got in a collision with Eugenio Suarez at uh, third and short. Looks like oh, his no. head got rattled a little bit. Yeah, so hopefully he's okay. Uh, he's sitting up right now. Most of you probably have already known what happened to him by the time we listen to this. But J.P. Crawford's <laughs> been right. great. Uh, he's number 10 when it comes into the league. Is Gunner playing shortstop or third base? He could be playing shortstop since Jorge uh, Mateo is is been trash. not very good. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Mateo play yeah. today, but uh, Gunner's listed as the ninth best shortstop in baseball this year behind Matt McClain, Orlando Arcia, Bo Bichette. So that's eight, seven, six. The best shortstop is Corey Seager. Francisco Lindor's number two, who's had a quiet, good year. Uh, I don't think we've heard much out of the Francisco Lindor camp. No, and Wanda Franco, Bobby Witt Jr., who just did something that uh, I don't believe any rookie's done, or actually not rookie because he's not a rookie anymore, but I think he hit 20 home runs and 30 stolen bases in back-to-back years for the first time ever um, to start a career in two years. So that's pretty cool. Bobby Witt Jr., he's just wasting away there in Kansas City. He's got 20 yeah. bombs and 34 stolen bases. But when it comes to home runs among shortstops, I mean, Dansby Swanson's right there at fifth with 17, and that's behind Gunner. And if you include Gunner in that, half of those probably came at third base. Frankie's got so the most So Gunner's played third base. He's made just almost. He's made 64 appearances at third and 44 at short. So pretty equal okay, so there. More but, so third base, though. I would consider him more yes. of a third baseman than a shortstop and when it comes to this. So you could right. say Dansby's the fourth best shortstop when it comes to home runs. He's just an all-around – he's the leader too. Out of all of those four, I think Dansby's leadership is an underrated quality that as Cub fans we're really starting to notice because when Dansby came back to that lineup, it seemed like everything was whole again, right? They were struggling for Absolutely. a while. Dansby came back and he not only raked, but also like the team just congealed behind him He's a proven winner. That's what the one thing I think I love about this Dansby and this Cody Bellinger duo is they come from proven winners, right? The Braves haven't lost a division in six, seven, eight years. The Dodgers, the same. They're both coming from franchises who are used to winning and not just used to winning. Winning is an expectation. Absolutely. And I think that was yeah. part of this turnaround back in early July when Dansby was like, no, we ain't freaking trading. Yeah, he he's, uh, that's, he's that, lead, that was the, him when he came back when they were like, "Hey, we are," and he led that like you're, just like you're saying, he led that push to make sure that the Cubs weren't sellers. I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. like the moment he came back and the conversations were happening, like, "Hey, you think the Cubs are going to sell?" He's like, "Absolutely not." Yeah, and I think part of the reason is him and Cody just kind of said this isn't going to happen, and that's why I want Cody back as a Cubs fan. I'm totally homering it here. I'm wearing a Cubs shirt this week. I don't always do that. Uh, but 
I don't always I wear would, a cup shirt, but, <laughs> but when, when I do, I, do. I, I drink <laughs> bourbon. Uh, but man, a lot of fun baseball here as of late. I've cont- like I find myself finding any baseball to watch that I possibly can, and on days that there aren't day games, I'm kind of upset because there's no day baseball, and I've got to wait until the evening. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of weeks, especially since the All-Star break, I was a little burnt out after the All-Star break because there was so much baseball to talk about. But this past weekend, great baseball, not only between the Cubs and the Braves. That was a great series, even though the Cubs got thumped on Friday. Uh, but between the Mariners and the Angels, what the Texas Rangers did to the Marlins this past weekend, uh, the Reds... It's going to be really exciting whenever Jackson Holiday gets his call to the Orioles and <laughs> Benner Henderson is the permanent third baseman. You know, well, that's going to be exciting here in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, you still think it's going to happen, huh? You making Absolutely. the prediction? The, the dude is, the dude <laughs> got sick, came back, and is still raking. It, mm-hmm. It's going to happen. They're, they don't have a shortstop that's, that's doing well. Holiday's at double A. It's not uncalled for for guys to get called up from double A. It's happening. All the time now. That's the real test. Yeah. Market. Well, if he does make it, that'll be a real fun, fun day for you. And also a fun <laughs> day for baseball because he's the number one prospect. He's 19 years old. Yes. And he, he looks like he's, he's 19 showing why he's number one prospect. Yeah. yeah. He, 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 when he was drafted at 17, he looked 14. Yeah. December 4th, 2003. God, do I feel old. Well, uh, that is it for the regular part of our podcast. We now transition real quick to our top 10 power rankings, which are always out on YouTube exclusively every Monday. So go follow us on YouTube. If you haven't done that already, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Our top 10 power rankings are brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. So go to 10thwhiskey.com. Use promo code BNB for 10% off your order. A big shout out to 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit company we just did an interview with brian uh that'll probably be dropping within the next couple of weeks i've got to do a lot of editing work on that and some other things so uh be on alert we've got a lot more coming down the pike but this week's top 10 power rankings real quick michael give us your top 10 but leave out a couple <laughs> so leaving out number 10 i will go number no <laughs> number 10 the, uh, number 10 i have the philadelphia phillies number nine i've got the seattle mariners moving into the top 10 Number eight, the Chicago Cubs. Let's go. Seven, the Toronto Blue Jays. Six, the Houston Astros. Five, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And four, the Tampa Bay Rays. In my top ten, again, brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. Don't forget to use promo code BNB for 10% off your order at 10thwhiskey.com. My top 10. Number 10, the Chicago Cubs make our uh, triumphant return. Number 9, the Seattle Mariners. 8, Philadelphia Phillies. 7, Toronto Blue Jays. The Houston Astros are in 6th. The LA Dodgers are in 5th. And in 4th place, the Texas Rangers. I already gave away my number 1 team changing this week. But you can get my top 3 in that YouTube video. Go and check go the link why. in this bio, in the description. Or also... Uh, Go to youtube.com slash at barrels and barrels pod and go check us out every Monday. That drops at around 7 o'clock in the morning, maybe even earlier on some days. But again, our top 10 power rankings brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. So Mm -hmm. moving forward, we've done some interviews as of late. We've got more down the pike. 
We're talking more about bourbon and whiskey. We're going to have more reviews. We just got a new bottle uh, of Lone Elm sent to me here from the folks out in Texas. Lone Elm whiskey. We've got two of them to sample here at some point, Michael. We've got a honey barrel and we've got a regular uh, straight weeded whiskey. And then uh, some more stuff to talk about whiskey wise. There's a lot going on in whiskey. We're getting towards the allocation season. That's going to be a couple of weeks away. Uh, August really through late October, early November is when that really starts to heat up. Don't miss your sign up. Yeah, don't miss your signups if you're in an area that uh, does raffles or does lotteries. Make sure you get that in. Michael always forgets to put his name in the lottery, it seems, in Alabama. You can't Uh, win unless you sign up, folks. That's right. That's right. Brandon wins. Brandon wins even if he doesn't sign up. (laughs) And speaking of winning, (laughs) um, we're going to do a giveaway. Once we get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, we'll do a giveaway. So. That's another push, if you haven't already, to go check us out on YouTube. So 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're at 645 coming into this podcast. So go check us out. We are on YouTube at Barrels and Barrels Pod, Instagram at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Same with Facebook and TikTok. That is at Barrels, the letter N, Barrels Pod. We're on Twitter X at Barrels and Barrels. And you can also email us barrelsnbarrels at gmail.com. Check us out Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, if that's still around, Amazon, as well as Google and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Again, please rate us and review us. We would love to know what your rating is on our podcast or if you've tried Taconic Distillery, uh, this this Duchess Private Reserve. Tell us what your thoughts are as well. We rated that both. And Everyday Player, again, big thank you to Taconic Distillery for sending this our way. We are Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. We talk high proof, high heat. It's been fun baseball here as of late, Michael, and we're getting towards moving weeks, right? This is the the wild card chase now. Moving weeks? What do you mean moving weeks? This is where you're moving in the standings, where you're you're trying to make that move up. You're trying to to move in the standings, get to the best point that you can. You're trying to just get in, baby. Right. So moving week, they like to call that, uh, at least that's what I call it, when – you're in the dog days of summer, right? We're getting into the middle of August. This is when uh, some teams start to sputter. Some teams start to get hot. Uh, what teams are those going to be? You can continue to follow us for the very latest on that. So with that said, Michael Burns, do you have anything else for our friends, families, and listeners? Yes, we uh, make sure to go find out. We got hats, glassware, T-shirts. That's right. The glassware the reminder. freaking sweet, man. Freaking yeah. sweet. We've got the wisdoms like Brandon's got. We've got this beautiful tooth which one of our listeners pointed out i think it was brian at 10th mountain whiskey pointed out it's a baseball Mm-mm. diamond on the bottom it is uh it was justin it was smooth it was smooth oh it was it was smooth that's right it was yeah. smooth it was Almost on our live wrong credit credit there good call yeah. so that was justin smooth like bourbon i think is his handle smooth like bourbon Smooth like bourbon. That's right. Smooth like bourbon. So, uh, so with that, yeah, go check those out in our Instagram. Yep. Nope. You go ahead, Michael. Go go check it out. They're they're sweet logos. And, uh, with that, I'm just going to, Brandon, you got any other words for our listeners? Let's go. (laughs) Did I steal it? (laughs) 